Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. My name is Barbara Chandler, and you are listening to the second session of our seat, our table leadership lounge. We are delighted and excited that we can bring you such informative community programming. And of course, we aim to please, we aim to inform. We have a wonderful show lined up for you today. You are going to learn about the Black history of the historic Goldsboro community located in Sanford. Coming up in a few minutes, we have the historian, uh, Chief Historian Francis Oliver, as well as Pasha Baker, whom both are from Sanford. They work to preserve the history of Sanford. You're going to be hearing from them. You're also gonna hear from Executive Director Daniel Downer with Bros in Conversation. That is one of our community programs, nonprofits that, that is in the area of Sanford. And we just wanna catch up with Daniel and find out exactly what, and, what him and his team, what is new in the area. We also have a photo documentary, Cynthia Slaughter, whose exhibition was at the Hannibal Square Heritage Center. It was there for three months. And you're going to hear a little bit about what her body of work entailed. Um, you're going to meet, well, you will hear that interview with Andrew Brown, who is our uh, correspondent and keeping us up to date with our local artisan community joining us, and I believe you're going to be hearing more from her. If you do not know LaVonda Wilder, LaVonda Wilder is also the founder, uh, chief executive officer of the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce located in Eatonville. LaVonda saw a need in which to have a chamber, and the chamber has now been in existence for about three or four years, but she will definitely bring you up to snuff, up to date on what's going on. We also have in our show, for Friday, uh, this show, we have Kaylin Vileman of Cadix Financial, an elevated wealth group in Orlando. She's going to give us a few tips. That's our call to action. I know it's the beginning of the year and everyone, everyone always wants to know ways in which to better their finances. So once again, we want to thank you. This is our second session. We kicked off last week on uh, Martin Luther King weekend, and we certainly hope that you you were able to join us. We had a great show with Chief Historian Farrellyn Livingston of Hannibal Square Heritage Center. And just to kind of delve into our own local local uh, politics, local government, um, I've been kind of following the story of the Henderson Hotel that is coming up in the uh, Killarney neighborhood. You definitely have, it seems like the majority of residents in Winter Park, Killarney neighborhood is in Winter Park, and it seems as the majority of residents are against this development. And it's one of these things, uh, business as usual for Winter Park. Let's put a hotel 
in the middle of a neighborhood. Mind you, hotels bring in people from all over. We never know exactly who these people are. And so all of a sudden now you have a hotel in the middle of a community, a long-standing sustainable community with families, and now to place a hotel in the middle of it. It is just completely atrocious. And we are familiar with this, uh, these types of development. These are the things that has happened in Hannibal Square Winter Park. And so now to see a neighboring um, community, one of our neighbor's community going through the same things. At this particular point, P and Z has already moved forward. They have given the hotel approval to be able to be built. So now the conversation is now moved to the commissioners, our city commissioners. And I have a feeling the votes can definitely go three to two, but I'll let you figure out who those three, uh, those three participants are. Uh, once again, our seat, our table is exactly what it says. This is our way of being able to control the narrative of what's happening in our communities. This allows grassroots voices, grassroots leaders, whether influencers, businesses, nonprofits to have the first say in their communities. A lot of times we're living in communities underrepresented, underserved uh, with commissioners or representatives who when in fact they are just completely out of touch with what's happening in the community. So our seat, our table leadership lounge allows us to take back our voices. It allows us to begin the conversation, continue the conversation, and we are building community from the inside out. So once again, you can follow us, WPRK. We want to thank Greg Golden and his team for being a part and allowing us to, to have this space on which we can bring in community voices and share, share information, share resources resources and begin to leverage potential opportunities for ourselves. So WPRK, you can listen to us Friday mornings, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. at WPRK. The call letters are 91.5. It is a Rollins station and there are other ways too. And I'll find out those other ways before the end of the show. So our first guest that I would love to introduce our community to is Francis Oliver. Francis Oliver is the historian of Goldsboro, and she's just going to give us some uh, history on the community of Goldsboro, Sanford. Many of us are very familiar with Sanford. As soon as you hear Sanford, you also hear the name Trayvon Martin. So Francis, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly, Francis. How have you been? I've been good, thank you. And Barbara, how have you been? You've been good too? I have been fantastic. I want to thank you so much for making the time. I know that you guys have a lot going on and I know that you're staying well as well as keeping the community as safe as possible in COVID. So thank you so much for making the time. And I just want to let our listeners know that we are all virtual as we are doing this programming. So everyone is safe and sound within their homes and this is all online. Uh, so Francis, first question. Um, Tell us a little bit about Goldsboro and how it was founded. Okay, I'm going to talk about Goldsboro before Trayvon Martin. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Goldsboro was founded in 1891 
outside of Sanford. When Goldsboro was incorporated, it was really in Orange County because Seminole County had not been incorporated during the time that Goldsboro mm. was incorporated. Okay. Seminole County was not incorporated until 1913. Wow. So until 1913, Goldsboro was part of Orange County. Huh. So our early, our early history, a lot of our early history is stored in Orange County. Huh. Uh, because now the schools, churches, and a lot of that stuff is found in Orange County. Okay. And we found that out when we couldn't find nothing out about the early establishment of Goldsboro. Mm -hmm. We were looking in the wrong places. We were looking in Sanford and Seminole County Courthouse. Now, in 1913, when Sanford became incorporated as a city, Goldsboro was already incorporated as a city, as a, mm. as a, a township. Okay. As the second township next to Eatonville in the state of Florida and debatable between a town in Mississippi for second place. Okay. okay? For second place um, incorporations. And, now, and, and this was also, Goldsboro was also a township of African-Americans. Yes, it was an all African-American township. Okay. A very thriving township mm -hmm. because Goldsboro had its own post office, its own city council, Okay. Jail. Everything that a city had during the during the late 1800s, Goldsboro had it. Okay. And Goldsboro was a place on the map where it had gotten around to a lot of the lot of the slave states which slavery had ended, but mm. a lot of state slave states that this was a place where you could come and they were all black in charge. In in Zora Neale Hurston's book, uh, I think it's the one I've read so many of them. I think it's the one where his eyes are on the sparrow or either no no. I think that's the one that uh, either his eyes are watching us. His eyes are watching yeah, us. But I don't think that's the book. That's the other one about the mule. Uh hope what that one about the mule. Anyway, what she said, because she wrote a lot about Sanford and her dad is on that's where I read it. In the what the one Jonas Gore. That was about her dad. Okay. Did you read okay. that one? Did I have. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you remember in there when her dad, when his, his dad heard about Eatonville and her dad said, where is Eatonville? And they were telling him that Eatonville was in Florida and it was all black township. Community. And yeah. And he said, uh, well, who boss them? Who's they boss? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, Zora's, all her writing was in dialect. And Correct. he said, who, who, boss who bosses and he was told they that that the, they have a black boss everything in the city they mm -hmm. have their incorporated they have their own mayor and he mm -hmm. said i got to go to this place and that's how mm -hmm. he ended up in Eatonville. so was and, it would it would can we say at that particular point in history communities like eatonville goldsboro the one you mentioned in mississippi although that they were black townships in certain cases what is was it still unusual to hear that there were blacks in leadership especially in government yes yes but the government of goldsboro 
Mm -hmm. And Greenville was separate. Now, go, like I said, now up until 1913, Goldsboro was part of Orange County. Correct. Okay. Now, they they had their own government, and it was this is the reason that they had their own government because the township, like Edenville, gave them the land and said, "Here, start your own community." And mm. they were astute enough and educated enough to not only start their own community, but to incorporate their communities of Goldsboro, Edenville and some of the other um, incorporated townships at the time, they were educated people. And they were Very. educated to know that they had to contact the state and apply for a township. And okay. they were given a township. I said with Goldsboro, in 1893, they, they were from the United States Postmaster General. Goldsboro was declared to have its own post office. Correct. And what was the uh, source of employment at that time? At that time in Goldsboro, most of the blacks in Goldsboro was business owners. They worked for the railroad because the red, they were building a railroad through Florida. Mm -hmm. Most of them worked for the rail business and, and the train. They were okay. porters. They were porters. They were servicemen men and women they were firemen on the train mm -hmm. and so they had good professional jobs like um like like goldsboro became later on a farming town it was not a farming town at the time because there was a thriving black community and to have a thriving black community you got to have barber shops you got to mm -hmm. have stores, businesses have mm -hmm. cleaners and beauticians and uh -huh. in goldsboro Exactly. So Francis, we definitely, there's so much history there. I personally have visited your museum. I know you also have the Crooms Academy there. If someone at this particular time, while we are in COVID, if they wanted to come and visit the museum, learn about the history of Goldsboro, how do they get in touch with you? How can they find you? Where are you located? Uh, since March, I have been hiding from COVID. Okay, that's COVID, a smart idea. <laughs> COVID <laughs> hit my family very hard. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, I still got an aunt in the hospital with COVID. COVID hit. And my, we're so four, sorry to hear that. Four of my sisters had COVID. One of my brother-in-laws and my son tested positive, but he was asymptomatic. Okay. So I've been hiding from COVID. I at that point, I turned everything over to Pasha. Okay. Pasha, Pasha is in complete charge. Control. Control <laughs> of everything up there. And so when you when you got an establishment that like that and the doors are open, mm -hmm. day, you never know who's going to walk in. Going to walk in. I agree. Pasha, are you still on the line with us? Of course. You know I wouldn't miss y'all. Um, thank you, thank you. So I just want to introduce you. Give me a second, Podge. Just let let me introduce you properly to our community. Pasha Baker, who is a resident of Sanford, and you ran for mayor. Your last race was the run for mayor, and as well as representative in that area. And we just. We're just so proud of you, and we're proud of the efforts that Aww. you're doing. Uh huh. So please let the community know um, how can they get in touch with you all? How can they learn more about the history? Where can they find you? 
Most definitely. And thank you so much for having us. And we just think just a wonderful platform. Thank you for integrating us into this platform um, to discuss community related events because we are all related at the end of the day. I at think the end so. of the day, definitely all connected. Definitely all connected. So thank you so much for having us. And you can come by the Goldsboro Museums to visit and to tour um, by appointment only. So if you go to mm -hmm. our website, goldsboromuseum.com, there's a space there where you say visit Goldsboro, the visit space. Um, and then you just click on that to make an appointment. And people are making appointments and we have a very busy Black History Month. Um, you can nice. see all of our Black History Month programs um we actually are booked all to most all days of february for black history month some very exciting program details such as um the beauty and the business of black hair mm. um I, we'll be doing that with the chicago public library in chicago nice. so and we have a tour coming up here with you at hannibal square yes. definitely we'll be focusing on the okoe massacre who we lent some of our exhibition items to so you Excellent. will be able to see all of that online actually so all of it will be virtual so you can view it at any time of the day whenever you are um, available just to get the history and it'll always be there for you as well as everything will also also be on our website on your website and what about on your facebook page for those of us who are all of our media. social media yep so in all of our social media handles are goldsboro museum so on twitter facebook and instagram and youtube Okay. And it's exactly as it's spelled, everyone. Goals, G-O-L-D-S, B-O-R-O, museum.com. Pasha, Francis, we are so grateful to be your cultural connection, your cultural uh, uh, partners in this. We have such shared history. And again, the importance of this platform is to let people know what is in our area, who is in our area. So we begin to connect to our history. I, I always hate to sound so cliche, but if we don't know our history, we, we if we don't know our past, we don't know our future, we don't know our destiny. So thank you so much. I know that there's so much more information you can share with us. What current exhibit do you have now? So right now we have uh, just our permanent collections. Okay. Uh, the Crooms Academy Museum and the permanent collections of Goldsboro in our contemporary collections of all the black artists that um, mm -hmm. in Goldsboro and in the city of Sanford. Excellent. Those Excellent. Are up. We also focus too. We have our own uh, library of writers and authors from Sanford wow. Goldsboro. Wow. Wow. Yes. Wow. And that collection is grown. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And also you can read all the books about Goldsboro. We just posted a few more on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And so if you just type in Francis Oliver or Goldsboro, those books will come up and you are able to download them on your Kindle or in paperback version. Excellent. Excellent. Well, ladies, I cannot thank you enough. I look forward to seeing you all in February in Black History Month. Uh, community members, partners, listeners, once again, Black History Month is coming up. However, that is not the only time you get to fit, visit these African-American uh, cultural centers. These centers are here. We are here year round in order to yeah. know your community, know what's happening, Please stay connected, stay plugged in, find your local cultural museum and support them. 
support them that they continue to be here for our future generations. Francis, Pasha, thank you all so much and continue, continue to stay well. And I look forward to seeing you guys in February. Thank awesome, you. awesome. Thank you so much, Barbara. Good luck to y'all. Y'all be blessed. All right, you too. All the best. All right. Thank you. So that was a bit of Goldsboro's history. Um, I think you're going to find it so inspiring when you visit. And I do count on everyone to visit. Pasha is definitely very welcoming. I want to believe there is the Trayvon's uh, Martin Memorial that is located uh, close by as well. And there's just a lot of uh, happenings in that area. I saw recently where there is a new gallery as well, Park Avenue Gallery. I'll look that up for you all. But thank you once again. Coming up next, this community grows in conversation. Mr. Daniel Downer is also a native of, of, of uh, Sanford. And it was definitely intentional that we reached out um, to another organization that is doing wonderful things in the area. I love grassroots and a grassroots organization. And you will hear me say this quite often. I believe that the grassroots organization is what will change the, the scope and the narrative of our, the landscape of our communities. Because with grassroots organizations, they are usually founded and ran by people who know exactly what the community needs. They're not guessing. Um, they are a part of the community and therefore they can implement effective programming. So no further ado, um, Daniel Downer, with bros in conversation are you on the line with me today yes good morning good morning good morning excellent daniel executive director bros in conversation i was able to see a bit of um one of your segments on your facebook page but i want to thank you first of all for coming out and please tell us about your organization and all the things that's happening and um how can we better support you Yes, definitely. So it's so great to to be able to spend this time with you. Thank you for allowing me to be here and to share a little bit of the amazing work that uh, my staff and I are doing. Uh, so I have the the honor and the privilege of being the executive director of the Bros and Con Bros and Convo Initiative. Mm -hmm. We are a Black queer led community based organization uh, in Orlando, Florida. Uh, and we provide a lot of different services focused around educating and empowering Black, gay, bisexual, queer, and same gender loving men. Uh, we look at ourselves as being able to create not only a safe space for, for community members that sit at those intersections, but create a brave space to okay. empower them, um, whether that's around our capacity building trainings that uh, help strengthen in their capabilities to be leaders mm -hmm. in their own lives, whether that's health education workshops that we provide to individuals, whether that's the low cost, no cost services we provide as far as HIV screening, mm -hmm. STI screenings, uh, individuals needing to be linked to HIV care or STI treatment. Um, but also really building community, uh, creating a space where individuals 
individuals can feel like they are not alone, that they yeah. are supported, uh, and that they have a place to come to if they have any any questions. So it's been a wonderful journey. We started back in 2017. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Uh, with a small group, uh, and we have we have really grown as as the years have progressed. And so I'm so excited um, and truly, truly honored and humbled to be a part of, of of an amazing movement that is that is occurring within the the local Black LGBTQ plus community. Okay. Now, how do people get in touch with your organization? How do we get in touch with you to find out uh, more about your programming? How can we support you, whether it's through donations, whether it's through um, other resources? Yes, definitely. So you can visit us at brosincombo.org, or you can just Google <laughs> the Bros and Combo <laughs> Initiative. It'll definitely take you to our, our website. Uh, you can support us by giving us a thumbs up on Facebook or Instagram. Okay at Bros okay. Combo. And also another way that you can definitely support us is around two amazing uh, organizing efforts that we currently uh, have the pleasure of being co-launchers of. Mm -hmm. The first one is the Central Florida LGBTQ plus Relief Fund. This was okay. a fund we launched during COVID uh, mm -hmm. because we understood that uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is one that really affects individuals on so many different levels, but in particular, Black and Brown LGBTQ plus folk. And so with a, a partnership with other organizations, we've been so blessed to be able to provide direct cash assistance to over 300 individuals. Wow, to wow, that's huge. Yeah, to cover a myriad of things from food to keeping mm -hmm. their cell phone on to toiletries. And so one way of supporting is by definitely donating to the Central Florida LGBTQ plus relief fund that we co-launched. And then the second one that I would really love to bring attention to, especially because we're talking about black and brown voices, when when we first started uh, together as the Bros and Combo Initiative, uh, there was such a small number um, of Black and Brown-led organizations in the Orlando, Central Florida area. Actually, I can mm -hmm. count them on one hand. <laughs> I okay. still um, oh, wow. and so us, along with some other community partners, recognized that uh, Black and Brown-led organizations are, once again, disproportionately affected. Correct. Uh, comparison to 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 non-black led organizations and one of those one of those areas is around resources and funding correct always yeah and, and and with the with the unrest that took place uh in 2020 uh with with the increase in numbers of of murders to, mm -hmm. to black and brown trans women uh our community said we need to do something uh, and so from that, uh, we co-launched what is called the Organizing for All Black Lives Fund, which okay. is a, a fund where we are raising money to give directly back to Black and Brown-led organizations. Uh, because we know that uh, the support is needed uh, for infrastructure to increase capacity. And right. so this is this is 
this is definitely um, something that is near and dear to our hearts, near and dear to my heart. And so if you would love to, to give a one-time gift or a monthly gift, please definitely Google search the Organizing for All Black Lives Fund um, and definitely support. Uh, and then, you know, feel free to reach out to us via email. We love to have um, visitors in small numbers because of COVID mm -hmm. to come in and see uh, our drop-in space, to see the various services we provide, but also we're more than welcome um, to accepting in-kind donations. Uh, I believe it's great to give the gift that 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 jingles, but it's really yeah. <laughs> important also um, to accept those gifts that are in-kind. And so we don't turn away any gift that our community um, is wanting to give to us because we're for community in community built by community wow. uh, so those are the various different ways that that you can um support us uh and uh thank you so much for for having me yes yeah and two really strong programming i i really appreciate both of the uh your new current programs along with what you're doing is there a um an age group i'm looking on your facebook page now and mm -hmm. i see is there an age group or um a specified group uh between the ages of like 18 to 35 um am i reading that correctly Yes. So the way we always, um, we, we build our philosophy around the philosophy that many of us grew up with, where we don't turn anyone, uh, anyone away. If you come to our door needing help, we are definitely going to help you. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have a focus around young, black, gay, bisexual, queer, and same gender loving men between the ages of 18 through 35, because we actually were birthed out of, uh, recognizing that many don't know the Orlando metropolitan area is number five in the nation for new HIV cases. Wow. And black, gay, bisexual, queer, and same gender loving men carry the biggest burden of those new HIV transmissions. And what we found was the reason why there's such a high number is many of, many of our young men um, don't know the importance of getting tested and retested. Many of them don't know where to go. Um, and for many of them, they're afraid because they feel that they'll have to pay something, whether to get tested or to get treated. Mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to break down the stigma around yeah. not only HIV, but sexual health. Right. Uh, and we also wanted to be able to increase the access as well yeah, as the yeah. utilization of, of resources. We provide HIV uh, screenings for free. We provide screenings for chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis for free. We have an amazing partnership with a community partner that's a clinic to okay. where if anyone um, comes through our door um, and feels that they have been exposed to, to chlamydia, to gonorrhea, to yes. syphilis. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. that they can get treatment at no cost to them. Um, and if individuals are living, find out that they're living with HIV and they're underinsured or they have no insurance, sure. we have great partnerships in the community That's to where an individual can see a doctor regularly, mm -hmm. get their medication, uh, get dental work if they're okay. needed. 
Toe cleaning, mm -hmm. uh, transportation, um, and Those so that's why things. there's a yeah. hyper. I would say there's a hyper focus um, mm -hmm. because we're really trying to make sure that we're providing support to to a community that for for so many um, for so many years has felt invisible, mm -hmm. has right. felt unsupported, and has felt um, just left out there. Wow. Wow. And I completely, completely hear you loud and clear when you say a lot of times you do have um, the LBGT community where a lot of people are work, walking around feeling invisible, feeling unrepresented, not seeing people who look like them. So this is a really good community initiative. I'm so glad that we were able to bring you on once again. How do they get in touch with you as far as your website and your social media platforms. Thank you so much. You can get in contact with us on our website, www.brosnincombo.org, or you can follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Bros and Combo. Excellent. Daniel, it has been a pleasure and we look forward to continuing to build community with you. Again, once um, uh, to our community uh, residents, our listeners, this is Daniel Downer with Bros in Convo. This is another great community resource. Please check him out. Find out. Please check them out, the organization, and how can you support. Um, upcoming, we have Andrew Brown with Brown Box Creative Solutions, and he will be talking with Cynthia Slaughter. Cynthia Slaughter is a documentary photographer. Currently, her work, I want to believe that um, her work was on display uh, for about three months at the Hannibal Square Heritage Center. You're going to hear the conversation between uh, Cynthia and Andrew as to what helped her to create this body of work. Andrew Brown. Happy Friday, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Once again, this is WPRK 91.5 FM Rollins Radio. I am Andrew Brown, a fabric artist of sorts. In a former life, I was a fashion designer and still do um, private clients, but now I keep the community informed with local artists that have meaningful work and deserve the attention and the praise. And currently I have Cynthia Slaughter with me. Hi, Cynthia. Hi. And she is, as Barbara mentioned, a documentary photographer in the Orlando area, who recently had an exhibition at the Hannibal Square Heritage Center. Cynthia, how did you get started in photography? Um, well, I worked in the corporate world for many years, um, approximately 35. Oh, wow. um, with the phone company, I started with Winter Park Telephone Company. Mm. And as the company progressed and then the names of the company was changing, I thought, well, I probably need to uh, get something else going. So I had, um, when I graduated from high school, my sister, who was a graduate of Seminole High, went to Florida State University graduate. And for my present, she bought me a little Kodak camera and a Florida State t-shirt. So I just did a lot of um, family photographs. I just take pictures. I'm from a large family and we are from Sanford, Florida. Um, as well. So I would take pictures of, of the family. And then I realized after years with the company, when my job was coming to an end, 
I wanted to delve, delve more into um, portraits and documentary. So I started at uh, Creole Day School of Art. Awesome. Currently, the exhibition is titled On Love and Loss. Talk about the duality of those two words, love and loss, and how you portray that in the photograph collection. In the collection, um, as a fellowship student and a studio artist at Crealde, um, I had to do a body of work. And since my mom still resides in Sanford, she just celebrated her 95th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. I, I did. Um, and I would just photograph her because I have nine other brothers and sisters. And I would sit with her during the day. We'd laugh and we'd talk. And I just thought, let me just start taking pictures. So I started photographing her and doing whatever she does. And we were talking. She was also a farm laborer. And I remembered her coming home from the celery fields of, in Sanford. And I just would document her day and looking at her and hearing the wisdom and the love that I have for her and the love I see she has for, for all of us. I just wanted to just show how I present the love of my mom for us, the intimacy of, of the love. And for the loss, uh, 2017, Hurricane Irma, came through Florida and devastated uh, quite a few people with us. And we lost our home and um, our possessions. So mm -hmm. I just kind of went through. And one day after we emptied the house of all of our belongings, um, my sister was with me and she accidentally knocked over a vase that I had gotten as a gift. Mm -hmm. And I went from a devastated homeowner standing looking at 30 years of my life on my lawn to hmm, I wonder how I can photograph this. Of mm. course, she was apologetic, like, oh, I can fix it. I can fix it. But I, I immediately started thinking of how can I photograph this vase? And that's how the loss started with unbroken pieces, because mm. I felt devastated at that point and wanted to see how I could document my home the way it was at that time. Talk to us about the emotional toll that photographing your home took as you're going through the process. It was very emotional. Um, there were days I would pull up in the driveway and I'd have my camera and I'd get out and I want to go in because at this point um, FEMA had deemed our home unlivable. So mm. I would go in and we had to, um, take the drywall down where the mold was starting to invade and it would get very emotional and I'd stand there and then I'd get back in my car and I'd leave. I, I just couldn't. And then I'd try again a couple days later and I'd go in and because we had our, our drapes and blinds down, the light was beautiful. And then mm. I thought, wow, has this room always looked like this? Even though it's now empty and you have debris everywhere, and the lighting was just gorgeous. So there were days that I could really go in and just document and then allow myself to cry and say, okay, but this is going to work. It's going to be better. And I could get through it. And then there were days I, I couldn't even drive down my street. Mm. Um, talk about the cutting room floor. How does a photographer take this emotional 
uh, series and then edit it to put on display? Well, I, I wanted to tell the story. To me, that's what documentary is, is mm -hmm. telling the story. I always want the viewer to be moved by the image if and I add captions to them. If you don't read the caption, I want you to look at the photograph and I want it to speak to you. And I want you to see the emotion that I felt when I there's nothing in the room but a fan or there's nothing in the room but a picture on the wall. And all you see is the debris. I want you to 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 see that. And I chose to. um do everything I took take the photographs in color and then I convert to black and white mm -hmm. because I think it kind of adds a little more to the the image itself I don't do a lot of um, post-processing because I want you to see it as it is I don't I don't I don't add to it I may burn dodge and burn a little bring out some highlights um, but I try to make sure my camera settings are, are on the correct setting. And I just want to tell the story as, as it is and not add to the story. What's your favorite photograph from the collection? I, I think my favorite, I really like them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite from the unbroken pieces or the lost side Mm -hmm. um, there's an image of a chair, uh, a, little, a little rocking chair. Uh -huh, I know that one. And it's called Trust in the Midst of. And it's teaching me to even to this day as a, a woman of faith to trust and know that this too shall pass, that it's going to get better. Um, the chair was got wet, of course, from, from the, the wind-driven rain. And within a couple of days, the, the mold had started to eat away at the, the bottom of the chair and it was just mm. falling apart. So when the guys were tearing down the drywall, there was just the debris in the chair sitting there. And I just thought, okay, let me photograph this. So I had a little crate and I sat on the crate and I set my camera and I just started thinking about, okay, Lord, how do I trust you in this? How do I'm looking at my walls coming down, strangers in the home, mm -hmm. mud still on the floor. How do I trust you in this? So that that one really speaks to me. And as a matter of fact, that was one of the images that sold the night of the opening. Mm. Someone actually bought that piece. Awesome. What's next for you? I really want to do... Of course, I have nine of the brothers and sisters, and we all have our different little personalities. Uh -huh. So I wanted to photograph them individually, doing whatever their passions are, and tie it all together. Because um, we're, we're such a loving family, and mom raised us to, to have integrity, and I want to show... Like one brother loves to fish. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just like put on my life jacket and go on the river with him as he does his thing. 
So that that's that's one project that I want to do. And because we're socially distant during this time, there are um, churches that have their services outside. Like at our church, we call it Park and Praise. So I just kind of want to just document how it's really affecting everyone because the church is really like on the inside mm-hmm. of your heart and Absolutely. not so much the building. So I'm kind of playing around around with two. I may just shoot them both at the same time and and see where it goes from Absolutely. there. And finally, where can people or how can people see more of your work? I have um, on my Instagram page, um, it's an eye for you photography. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Cynthia. Coming up next is the Small Business Spotlight with LaVonda Wilder from the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. She's going to be talking to Barbara about all that the chamber is doing. Once again, this is WPRK 91.5 Rollins Radio. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Uh, Just as Andrew stated, we have LaVonda coming up next, and we do know how important chambers are in our community and keeping our uh, business community connected. LaVonda Wilder, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Barbara. Thank you for having me. This has been an awesome experience thus far. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we are delighted to have you. LaVonda, I have been knowing you now for about maybe two or three years, and um, I have just seen the amazing things that you continue to do for small businesses and not just in eating Eatonville, but uh, businesses all over in our community. So how long now has the chamber, the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce, how long is it has, uh, how long has it been in the community? Actually, we incorporated September 2017, and we didn't really do anything as far as the chamber at that time. And a year later is when we became very active, started marketing and uh, trying to make people aware that we actually existed. And the reason we weren't in such a hurry to say that we were a chamber is because we really hadn't changed what we were actually doing. We have always looked out for the community and the small business owners. And at the during the time, September 2017, up until we decided to let everyone know that we had actually incorporated, mm-hmm. we were still, you know, servicing the community in the same way. And we've always been community driven and want to make sure that the community benefits from anything that the chamber involves itself with. That's right. Yeah, so what we were doing is doing our homework, getting everything in order, forming our boards, working on Mm -hmm. our bylaws and our mission statements and everything to make sure that when we spoke about the Edenville Chamber that we were representing our community in a positive light. Correct. And LaVonda, let me ask you, currently right now, how many um, chamber members do you have and how does one become a part of your chamber? We actually have 30 members now and 30 sometimes when you speak about it to larger organizations seems like a small number, but 30 to me is an 
awesome number because it shows that 30 people have bought into what we are talking about in the community and 30 people believe in our mission and vision to support the economic growth in the town of Eatonville. And we do have a website and we're also very active on social media. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we invite you to do that. Facebook, Instagram, we have a presence in both of those. Okay, excellent. Uh, LaVonda, I know you said that you have 30 um, members currently, which to me also indicates that that is 30 intentional connections. Um, Correct. What are some of those businesses that are within your chamber? We actually have Duke Energy. And Barbara, you're also a member of the chamber. Yes, I am. Been, yes, and <laughs> it has been since we first incorporated. So That's we're correct. definitely happy to have you as one of our chamber members and work so closely with us. And uh, like I said, we have Duke Energy. We have City National Bank, uh, Primerica. Uh, quite a few people, uh, management and consultative favor. Okay. Excellent. LaVonda, um, so currently right now, I know that you mentioned about board members. Are you seeking any board members? How can we, um, encourage our listeners, our community, community, business community partners who are looking to belong to a very intimate chamber, such as the Eatonville chamber, how can we, um, get them more involved and where, how can you direct them? Actually, at the moment, due to COVID and some construction work that we're having at our building right now, and we are actually located at 213 West Kennedy Boulevard. And right now we're conducting our meetings via Zoom, just like the rest of the world is right now. And we have a presence on Eventbrite. That's where I post most of our meetings at. And if you would just start... Um, joining us in our meetings and networking with us and fellowshipping and reach out to us and let your intentions be known, then that's how we can start working towards uh, bringing you on as a board member. But we definitely are in the market for board members and would love to have your presence. And we have some community partnerships also that would love to have you as a part of their organization. Also, we partner with the E. Eatonville Library, and mm. we do a lot with them. And we were meeting monthly with them, and she was sharing. Sarah Brown is their branch manager now, and she was sharing some of the information for the Eatonville Library. As of this year, we are meeting quarterly with them. So that is also an avenue to work with the Eatonville Chamber just by participating with the Eatonville Library. Okay. Okay, fantastic. Um, LaVonda, I think we're going to be hearing more from you. Um, I do believe that this, this segment, um, our seat, our table, part of what we're doing is we want to be able to highlight and give more visibility to our small business communities and help them to grow. A lot of times when we think of our business communities and who should we be doing business with to have more... Um, uh, representation and more equity, creating more equity, we need a way, we need a partner in who can bring those people 
bring those people to the forefront. Um, a lot of times, small business people, they are doing so much. They're trying to market themselves. They're trying to sell their product or offer their services and not not being able to focus on one thing. I think is this is where our seat, our table, we kind of get to help them by highlighting one of those businesses every time we're on. And I think it's only, only appropriate if that came from the Eatonville Chamber as um, a very foundational, uh, I, I, I like to consider you very community oriented uh, business chamber. We know that we have the African American Chamber being head up right now by Tanisha Gary, and they are doing fantastic things. But I think a chamber such as the Eatonville Chamber for a lot of businesses who are in their infancy stages, looking for a lot of encouragement and looking just to have those close connected relationships with people who are uh, progressing at their same speed is also very important, as well as bringing in leverage such as Duke Energy, as well as the, biz, uh, the bigger partners. So I'm certainly hope that you can join us for our big business segment and be a correspondent with our seat, our table um, on WP. PRK and bringing those small businesses to the forefront. Thank you, Barbara. One of our mottos that we always talk about within the chamber with our board of directors is that we love to tell businesses that are in their neophyte stages to come and grow with us because we understand what it takes to grow a business, to have the vision, to actually incorporate and to actually get someone to believe in your vision. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy. But the one thing that I pride myself on and our board of directors is that we support small businesses, no matter how many people participate with your business. When you walk in the door, we're going to treat you as if you have 10,000 members Correct. in your business. You know, we just believe in you growing with us because we're growing also and we Excellent. can all grow together. Oh, excellent. Excellent. All righty. LaVonda, I want to thank you so much once again. And you are listening to WPRK Radio 91.4. Uh, this is our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge. This is where we have created a platform for our local leaders, influencers, grassroots organizations in which they can bring their voices. You can hear directly from members, community members who are working on a very localized level to have access and to bring representation. In this show, there is always a call to action, always a call to action, because we want to make sure that we are giving you information that can help to activate whatever you're doing, whatever community that you're in. And today, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you Kaylin Valman of Cadex Financial. It's an elevated uh, wealth group in Orlando. Kaylin Valman, are you on the line with us? I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly, my dear. So we all know at the beginning of the year, this is when we all make these wonderful resolutions. We start saving our, our extra money here, opening up new bank accounts, whether it's for uh, our, our children's college funds, whether it's for our trips, vacation. Give us some tips on how we can become better stewards of our finances. All right. Well, wow. What a learning experience about the Sanford community from the panel. 
Yes. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of the platform today. I really, truly appreciate it. So I am Kaylin, like Barbara said, and we're part of the Elevated Wealth Group here in Orlando, Florida, and I am a financial professional. Mm. And I'll just tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do, and then we'll just take it from there. How about that? That sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. So our company, the mission is to protect and build wealth for the families that we serve. We mm. also want to increase the financial literacy and provide the actual solutions that can deliver the confidence for, you know, the people in our community. That's very important to us. And every family, we need a clear set of financial goals. So what we do for our families is we have what's called a financial needs analysis. And what mm -hmm. this does is it gives you a detailed um, situation, your personal situation and a strategy to help you reach your objectives or your financial objectives. You know, it doesn't matter how much or how little money we have, mm -hmm. we all need to analyze our finances. And that, this is so important. Before we get into all the little details, let's let's help you fix um, your financial goals for you and your family. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh -huh. So what I do is I want um, you, it, we want you to call and make an appointment and get a complimentary confidential financial mm -hmm. analysis done. So How can gonna, they get in touch with you? Perfect. So my phone number is 407-756-9786. My email is kdexfinancial at gmail.com. Our company website is elevatedwealthgroup.com. And I also have a link tree and that's my full name. It's Kaylin Potter Valmon. That way you can get in touch with all my social media. Okay. And I know I probably ran through this pretty fast. So feel free to text me, um, text my phone. And if you, for, you know, you might, you maybe you didn't catch any of the contact information. I'm sure they did. I'm so All sure right. they did. you said it nice and easy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So again, we just thank you so much for being on this platform with us. We are here Absolutely. for organizations, small businesses or businesses like yours. Um, and we want to thank you again. We are down to one minute. Once again, this is our seat. This is our table, the Leadership Lounge. By now, we are under new leadership in the United States. And if at any time we realize how important leadership is within our communities has been over the last year, 2020. So as far as being and becoming and being a better leader, the question is always, what does leadership mean? Encourage creativity, serve as a role model. Mentorship is extremely important. Be passionate, listen and communicate effectively as a leader, have a positive edit, have a positive attitude, encourage people to make contributions and motivate your followers. We are all leaders in some aspect of what we do and how, how we carry it out is extremely important as we have seen in 2020. Once again, my name is Barbara Chandler. Every Friday morning, our seat, our table, Leadership Lounge. We'll see you again.